Fantastic. HP Running out of tinder matches. Your date ordering for you. Stage five clingers. Old white men controlling your bodily autonomy. Hashtag not all men. Loud eaters. Control freaks. Actual serial killers. <laughs> Men who compare themselves to actual serial killers. Trump 2020. Someone calling me hipster. I'm emo. Get it right. Boys becoming men, <laughs> men becoming wolves. <laughs> Werewolf vomits, but spooky, scary. That's my favorite song. Uh, it's pretty good. I have it on my Halloween playlist. How could you not? It's an essential playlist. I, you should come to Chicago this weekend only so that can happen. I mean, I probably will. It'd be great. It's pretty much said so. It'll be a blast. I'm excited about it. Me too. Hello, everyone. Hello and welcome. This it's, is the 50 Worst States podcast. And today and is Halloween. It's Halloween. It is. It's the best day of the year. Yes. It's the greatest time of year. And it's here. Help me sell. Okay, Allie and AJ wrote that about Christmas, but honestly, it was about Halloween. Let's be real. It's about Halloween as far as I'm concerned. Also, they're spooky bitches. They they wrote that song for Twitches and Twitches too. Oh, they did, so, yeah. Oh, what a they're good, spooky bitches. What good movies, you know? Yeah. Fact check that motherfucker. Thanks. Tia and Tamara Mari are twin witches. Ay. Who are we? I don't know. Let's not forget to do that this week because we did last week. Well, this and week I am in the butt. It's Happy Halloween. I am Lord Farquaad coming at you from the swamp. And I'm Medusa. <laughs> Turning motherfuckers to stone. Hey. Um, those are our Halloween costumes, in case you didn't figure that out. <sighs> if you didn't, you're fucking dense. Yeah, come on. Get with it. Get with the program. So, yes, my name's Amanda. And I'm Katie. And this and is... welcome to our show. Yes, welcome to our show. This is the 50 Worst States podcast, where this week we are talking about Halloween horror horror stories. Horror yeah, as in like... Pod. Horror as in like whore, not... Like you dirty slut. Yeah. You dirty whore. A. Of which we are. Yeah, you know. Hi, Mom. Hi. <laughs> um, so today we are doing something a little bit different um, because we wanted to kind of just say some spooky stuff. And so today... <laughs> We're some spooky bitches who love some spooky shit. Oh, fuck yeah. So today we are doing something a little bit different um, because 
you know, Katie and I have already spilled beans on many of our horror stories. So we But decided, not all of them. We still have some. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Don't you worry. Um, but we got to keep some in our, you know, reserve. Um, so today yeah. we kind of wanted to keep it, not, not that it's very lighthearted, but just in the spooky spirit. So I'm going to be coming at you with a true crime uh, horror story that revolves around dating. Yeah, and I'm going to come at you with a Tinder-related creepypasta. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the car and enjoy the car alarm that's going off on your end. Yeah, it's a lovely car alarm. Maybe there's a serial killer about. Actually, there is a serial killer in Chicago, as uh, most people who study that will tell you. But sit back, relax. Don't get caught in the south side of Chicago. Get thrown naked into a trash can and set on fire, and we'll be right back. Breakover. Let's boogie. Let's boogie. Let's get spooky. Ooh, spooky. Scary skeletons. Okay. Um, welcome back. Welcome I back. Hope you enjoyed our Are you ready to hear about murder? <laughs> Are you ready to hear about murder? Um, so yeah, today apparently we are becoming a true crime podcast. Um, because I'm gonna talk yeah, I'm gonna not? talk about that time a bachelorette picked a serial killer on TV. Hey, the 1970s yeah. were a weird let's, let's, time. Let's like break that down though. Serial killer exists. Serial, serial killer is on TV. Okay. Serial killer is on game show. The dating game. Do you realize like the late low layers of shit that has to happen for that to right. happen? Like crazy shit. Yeah, it's pretty. Let's talk yeah, about it. It's pretty it. intense. So this is from. I'm basically going to read this verbatim from history.com because I'm lazy, everyone. But get over it because you're in for a wild ride. My favorite murder does it like every right? other week. So you're in for a wild ride. Um, so we're going to be talking about Rodney Alcala and how he won a 1978 episode of The Dating Game in the middle of his murder spree. And this article was mm-hmm. written um, earlier this year by a woman named Becky Little. Bum, bum, bum. So, you know, tuck yourselves in, get ready for this nice uh, pre-work or bedtime story. Before The Bachelorette pitted 30 men against each other to win one woman's heart, Americans watched a different show <laughs> about random strangers competing for a mate, The Dating Game. That makes me feel better that it had Honestly, The Dating Game sounds so much more fascinating. What if there was a serial killer on The Bachelor? I mean, there probably has been. Starting in 1965, actually, if there was a serial killer on The Bachelor, I'd actually watch it. I don't watch that fucking trash show, so. What if the game was figure out who the serial killer is, also who will they choose? Like, that'd be so much more interesting. It would add so much spice to it. ABC, are you listening? Beep, beep, boop. Listen in. (laughs) Starting in 1965, the reality show featured a woman asking three men questions about seeing their faces. Or, sorry, let me restart that 
starting in 1965. The reality show featured a woman asking three men questions without seeing their faces, then choosing one to go on a date with. In some episodes, it was a man questioning three women, but no one cares about that. Of course, plenty of these couples did not end up clicking romantically because, you know, three questions doesn't really do much justice unless you're like, what are your thoughts on feminism? Please describe yourself in great detail of what you look like. But in at least one instance, a dating game contestant ended up picking a serial killer. This, the verbiage of this word, like in at least one instance, like how many instances do they have serial killers yeah. on the show? I mean, we can't, we can't confirm. I saw something today that was like, you've been in the same room as like, you will be in the same room as like 16 murderers oh, in yeah. your lifetime. But how many confirmed murderers do you know? Statistically, you've probably been in the same room as a couple by now. You didn't no. know. Yeah. You, you never know. The September 13th, 1978 episode of The Dating Game was much like the other episodes, except there was a serial killer on it. Like usual, there was a lot of unsubtle and uncomfortable innuendo. Innuendo. Host Jim Lang introduced Bachelor Number 1 as a quote, successful photographer who got his start from his father when his father found him in a dark room at the age of 13, fully developed. Creepy. When Bachelorette Cher... Wait, that sounds like he was like the victim of Yeah, it sounds terrible. The 70s were a dark, dark place that we don't talk about. When Bachelorette Cheryl Bradshaw, not related to Carrie Bradshaw, asked, I am serving you for dinner... What are you called and what do you like? He replied, I'm called the banana and I look really good. Peel me. I hate it. He didn't even throw in a appealing pun. He sucks. Clearly a murderer. Awkward? Yes. But no more so than any other episode of The Dating Game. Once a contestant quipped, my mother was Welsh and my father was Hungarian which makes me well hung. That's amazing. That is incredible what that is. That gets yeah. him laid. I, that's who I would choose based off that. At the end of the game, Bradshaw picked bachelor number one, who turned out to be a long-haired man in his mid-30s named Rodney Alcala. But oh, what Rodney. Bradshaw didn't know was that in 1972, Alcala had been convicted of raping an eight-year-old girl. Why was he allowed on this show? He was paroled after less than three years, and by the time Bradshaw met him on The Dating Game, he had already murdered four women. Because we don't give a shit about women. Absolutely not. Do they not vet the contestants? Like, come on. Background check, people. This is why the 1970s suck. (gasps) That's all I'm going to say. One day, it'll be this, like, huge debacle on ABC. And they're like, the new season of The Bachelorette contestants. And it's uh, Brett, the Stanford rape case guy. Brock? Just watch. Brock? Brock, sorry. Yeah, and it's it's Brock. I'm sorry. If you're named Brock, you are a dick. And there is... Yeah, like if you don't think you're a dick and you're named Brock, I'm sorry to be the one to tell you that you're probably a dick. That's just a dick name. Yeah, nobody's walking around that name and you're not a douchebag. So you should be actively trying to not the name of one of the not raping girls. Name of one of the Pokemon trainers. Yes, and he was a gentle 
giant who overcame his name. Also, he was the rock-type trainer. It makes sense. Yes. Unless you're Brock from Pokemon, you're not cool. (laughs) Unless you're a rock-type Pokemon trainer, (laughs) get the fuck out. Um, Anyway, on stage, Rodney Alcala didn't seem different from many of the other contestants who had appeared on the game show. But when Bradshaw went backstage with him, she said something changed. Quote, I started to feel... Mm -hmm. Eel, eel, uh, ill, not eel as in the fish, ill as in sick. He was acting really creepy. She told this to the Sunday Telegraph in 2012. Glad to know she didn't die. I turned, I turned down his offer and I did not want to see him again. Before the show, Alcala had unsettled at least one of the other contestants. Quote, he was a really creepy guy, a real idiot. Love it. Um, that was what Bachelor number two, actor Jed Mills, had said. Um, and Jed Mills ended up playing the fat-free yogurt shop owner on Seinfeld, so obviously Bradshaw picked the wrong man. Um, quote, <laughs> I mean, mm, <laughs> quote, yeah. this creep comes up and he puts his face practically in my face and he says, I always get the girl. Sounds like someone who doesn't always get the girl. Yeah, that sounds like a yeah. missed. Uh, we should not mm, talk to Bye. Them. Yeah, no, thank you. This sounds, uh, no. Yeah. This is like you know what this sounds like? Sounds like fucking Jared Leto. And for <laughs> those of you who are like, you can't be the Joker. Jared Leto. Um, he is, he's gross. He's he crazy on women. He has sexually assaulted women. And Will Smith hates him. So. If Will Smith hates you, you're doing something wrong. That's all I have to say. I mean, also mm-hmm. the fact that he's like a pedophile and um, has like assaulted women because he uses his fame with 30 Seconds of Mars to coerce women to sleep with him. And that's fucked up because he would do it with underage girls. Mm-hmm. And if you don't believe me. He also used 30 Seconds to Mars to like crawl his way into fame. That's fair, which I think but is just Jared sad. Leto is trash. His version of the Joker is not even inappropriate like it shouldn't I don't even consider it a version of the Joker it's just trash it is great value Joker honestly great Um, value Joker so anyway that's what this reminds me of and for those who don't know what I'm talking about for Suicide Squad he became like an intense method actor and would do and like put dead animals in his co-workers like trailers and stuff really fucked up so Will Smith was like he was fucking creepy and I hated him anyway Alcala was very upset by Bradshaw's rejection, and authorities believe it motivated him to increase his murder spree between then and his arrest in July 1979. Okay, this is problematic because it is not her fault that he is a murderer. Mm -hmm. Right before his arrest, he met a 16-year-old girl named Cynthia Libby and told her, quote, I could do anything I want to you and no one would know. Libby, being a sassy 16-year-old, did not take him seriously and agreed to go out with him again like a dumbass. But he stood her up, and when she told her mom his name, her mother informed her that he'd just been arrested for murder. Honestly? Can you imagine that conversation between that mom and her teenage daughter? Yeah, what's his name? Rodney. Oh, his name's Robert Alcala. Oh, 
look at Channel 7. He was just arrested for murder, Libby. You really think you make good decisions? Don't go (laughs) to your room. never lived that down. Except in the 70s, parents didn't, like, care. They just, like, let their kids do whatever. And that is an issue. I mean, look at the Jacob Wetterling case. Look at the Jacob Wetterling case. That's how it's like. Yeah, that's how your daughter ends up nearly going on a second date with a serial killer. I couldn't believe it, Libby told People three decades later. I still have a hard time believing it. It, I could have been one of those dead girls. So, too, could have been Bradshaw if she hadn't turned him down. That's a poorly written sentence, but... Yeah, it is. Correct. Alcala is now in prison for the murder of several women and a 12-year-old girl... Although investigators believe the real number of murders he committed could be in the dozens. Mm-hmm. Alcala used photography to get close to his victims. <laughs> okay, Ted Bundy. And the police have not yet identified all of the people they found in his photo collection. That's really sad. It's not clear so if the sad. producers of the gating of the dating game, I was about to say the gating dame. Knew, <laughs> knew about his conviction in 1978. Clearly they fucking didn't, or if they did, they didn't care, and that's fucked up. But modern dating shows continue to struggle with male contestants because men are trash, who are violent towards <laughs> women. In 2017, viewers criticized, criticized Bachelor in Paradise for treating an alleged sexual assault on Set as a cliffhanger. Yeah, this sounds, is true. sounds like trash. Hollywood. Uh, the next year, a Bachelorette contestant was convicted of indecent assault and battery just days before the season premiered. And only three days episode, three episodes into Hannah Brown's 2019 Bachelorette season, the producers removed a contestant without explanation amid allegations against his past treatment of women. This just goes to show that men are trash and men yeah and then Hannah B still got slut shamed on like tv and like had to be like jesus loves me no matter how many dudes i fuck so men are trash even if they don't murder you honestly men are like the true horror stories of 2019 (laughs) like i just and if you're offended by that that means that you're probably a trash man because not like a trash man because like i have full respect for garbage men but yeah, you are benefits. a trash human being who identifies as a man. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. And that is the motherfucking tea on Rodney Alcala. He's super creepy. He kind of looks like Richard Ramirez. If Richard Ramirez mm. gained some weight and... Now he kind of looks like Weird Al Yankovic. That's all mother. Yeah, Robert, you're fat Richard Ramirez. I hope you hear this in prison. <laughs> you keep calling him Robert. His name's Rodney. <laughs> Sorry. I just find it funny. I'm going to want to learn your name, <laughs> you're Roger. Like, you're like, fuck you, Barry. Fuck you, you <laughs> fucking baby raper and murderer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a true horror story. Could you imagine going on? I mean, fuck, I had someone tell me that they look like Ted Bundy, and that creeped me out. It's not a good thing. Like, literally, if you compare yourself to a serial killer or are a serial killer, maybe, like, reconsider. Like, Zac Efron just played him in a movie. Could you not say, oh, some people tell me I look like Zac Efron, and then let us extrapolate that you're talking (laughs) about that? Yeah, right? Like... What? What? 
No. No, no. Okay. Like, well, We're going to take another break. Just because I love true crime doesn't mean I want to fuck true crime, you know? Welcome back. Or not. I don't know where Amanda went. I'm here. Oh, are you there? It sounded like you got up for a second. No, I was just shifting my butt. Ah, uh, shift your booty. Get comfy. Settle in. Because we're going to read a creepy pasta. Because I came up with the idea to read a creepy pasta 20 minutes ago. Proud of you. Sometimes I have ideas. Sometimes I don't. So, in more things that we didn't write or aren't original at all says, Someone is Killing My Tinder Matches, written by R.L. Rogers. My best friend Kyle was the first one to bring the idea up to me. A dating app. I'd never really thought about trying something like that before. I guess I always liked the idea of meeting a girl out in the real world, having an old-fashioned love story to tell one day. Okay, elitist. (laughs) Regardless... He ended up roping me in, convincing me that my idea of love only happened in the movies. He was probably right. This would probably be a refreshing change of pace for my inner romantic. I hate when people are elitist about dating apps. Just get on the fucking app. God damn it. After downloading the app and setting things up, I started to look through the feed of profiles. I came across a girl just a year younger than me with deep blue eyes and a head full of beautiful blonde hair. Her name was Rachel. Interested, I tapped the bottom of the photo and read her bio. Looking for a true gentleman. Someone who can cheer me up when I'm sad. Swipe right if you're my guy. (laughs) Odds are you put that in your Tinder bio. (laughs) I didn't hesitate to swipe on her profile as requested. After all, hmm. Afterwards, I continued scrolling to see if anyone else piqued my interest. Sure enough, some did. A girl named Veronica. She was a brunette with green eyes, and her bio revealed that she was a movie lover. So I swiped right on her profile as well. While scrolling through the profiles, I got a call from my mom. She asked me to run to the store and pick up some stuff for dinner. I agreed and headed off to the local supermarket. After getting everything... What a nice boy, though. (laughs) What a nice boy. After getting everything my mom needed for dinner, paying and loading up the bags into the car, I felt my phone buzz. I unlocked it to see a notification from Tinder. I had gotten a match, and it was with Rachel. She had sent a message asking if I wanted to meet her for coffee. You can tell this is a fake story because it would literally never happen on the first message. (laughs) I agreed to, and we decided on a little cafe on the edge of town for 5 o'clock the following evening. I was ecstatic, a girl that found me interesting. (laughs) that's so sad along with my excitement I felt quite nervous I hadn't gone out with many girls that I hadn't already known for a little while I hoped things would go well and that I wouldn't mess it up by being too weird or saying something really awkward in case I rushed home excited to tell my mom the good news (laughs) I love this The next day, I spent nearly two hours getting ready for my date with Rachel. Jesus. After showering, 
cleaning up my face of stray hairs. I put on a clean black shirt and my favorite pair of dark blue jeans. I ran out to the dining room to give my mother a quick hug. Who the fuck is this? (laughs) And it was Norman Bates the whole time. Grabbed the car keys and rushed out the door. As I drove to the cafe, I decided to play some upbeat music off my phone. He turns on Truth Hurts. Bobbing my head to the beat of the drums as I drove along, I went over how I hoped the date would go. As I pulled onto the street the cafe sat on, I noticed a newsman parked at the end of the street. Around the corner, I was met with a roadblock, four or so police cruisers, and an ambulance next to an overturned car. There was a telephone pole knocked over, broken in half, and laying on one of the buildings. The car must have been going pretty fast to have knocked things over, I had thought. The officer approached my car. I rolled down the window to ask what happened. He ignored my question and informed me that the whole road was going to be shut down until they could clean up the wreckage. After he walked away, I turned around and parked the car just just around the corner to message Rachel, telling her we would need to reschedule due to an accident. After a few minutes waiting for a response, I was not getting one, and I decided to head home for the night. I wonder what happened. I helped my mom cook dinner because he's a nice boy and then helped her and I moved into then her and I moved to the living room to watch some TV while we ate. She turned on the television and I flipped through the channels a bit before landing on the news channel. The anchor was talking about the horrible crash on the edge of town. They said the driver had been incredibly intoxicated and was going nearly 80 miles an hour down the road before losing control and flying straight into a telephone pole. They showed a picture of the driver. As her name appeared on the screen, I felt my heart sink, nearly losing my breath. It was Rachel. I was in shock. When I finally got the nerve to react, I did so by jumping up from the couch and running to my room, locking the door behind me. It may sound weird having never met this person, but I wept. I would not probably cry too. That's too fucking crazy. Eventually, I got over Rachel's death. For a while, I convinced myself to stay away from dating. I convinced myself that I was somehow to blame for what happened. After all, if she hadn't gone on a date with me, she wouldn't have been driving in that direction. Once I worked out my mental woes, I gave up that damned app another shot. <laughs> that gosh damn app. That gosh damn Tinder. Didn't go to Bumble. Didn't like be like, mm, murdered a girl from Tinder. Uh, I should go to Bumble instead. Nope. <laughs> Went back to Tinder. One day, I was scrolling through the profiles. I came across one that I remembered seeing before. It was Veronica. Once again, I swiped right. Shortly after, we matched. Chatting ensued, followed by date plans at the movie theater just one town over. We were going to meet at 9 p.m. that night. I arrived fashionably early because he's a fucking nerd, but Veronica was already waiting for me just outside the front doors. She wore a black dress with lacy white flowers on it. She looked absolutely stunning. After exchanging pleasantries and chit-chatting for a moment, we went inside to grab tickets for, to the movie. The film was great, and I, watching it with Veronica was even greater. We shared a popcorn and a drink, and she wound up nuzzling her way under my arm the first few minutes in, resting her head on my shoulders. It was a picture-perfect date. After the movie got out, Veronica expressed interest in continuing our date. She said she wanted to go to the bowling alley near where I lived. We agreed to take my car and leave hers at the movie theater. As I drove, she asked me questions about myself, my favorite movie, my favorite song, etc. The typical things you ask when you're getting to know someone. It was so nice. 
10 minutes into our little road trip, Veronica pointed out what she thought was an animal standing in the middle of the road. I slowed to a stop. We quickly realized that it was a person looking down, wearing some sort of mask. I was a little spooked. I attempted to turn the car around. As I did, a van backed out of the woods and onto the road, impending my escape. I pulled forward, back towards the masked person, still standing in the road. I had no choice but to drive past him. When I did, I heard a loud pop, and the car began to shake. I unwillingly stopped right in the front of the masked stranger. To my dismay, he approached the car, tapped on my window, and gestured I roll it down. I shook my head. Veronica screamed, noticing that two more masked individuals emerged from the van and walked our way. I decided it was best to crack the window a bit. What do you want? I half shouted in the stranger's face. He lifted up the mask just past his mouth. Your tire popped. We can fix that for you if you want. I stared at the stranger for a moment, then over to Veronica. Tears were running down her face. She just shrugged at me. I agreed to the stranger. I turned back to the stranger and agreed. He lifted his head and nodded in approval. As he pulled the mask down over his mouth, Veronica's window was smashed in by one of the other masked strangers. She shrieked. What are you texting me? (laughs) She shrieked. Two sets of hands reached in and I began pulling her out of the car. I reached for her, grabbed her hands, desperately trying to pull her back in. My window was next to the shatter, followed by more hands, this time coming for me. <laughs> my face slammed into the pavement. I put my head to my, my hand to my head and attempted to stand up. With one firm, foot firmly on the ground, I realized Veronica was no longer screaming. I turned to look to her side of the car, but in my line of sight was interrupted by a baseball bat to the face. I blacked (laughs) out. When I came to, my hands were tied around my back to a pole. I looked around for, for Veronica, but she was nowhere in sight. I tried to look for some indication as to where I was, but there was nothing. No windows, no tables, not anything. Just an empty room, a pole I was bound to, the door that I presumed was my only way out. I shouted for help, knowing it was more than likely a waste of energy. I was right. Nobody came to my call. I tried to fidget my way out of my bonds, but was unsuccessful in my efforts. After an hour of squirming, the door swung open, slamming hard against the wall. In came Veronica, her mouth stuffed with a cloth, and one of the masked assailants guiding her into the room. He pushed her onto the floor before me. Get on your fucking knees, bitch. Face your boyfriend, the man shouted. Veronica's tears rushing down her face slowly did as the man said. He walked over, standing behind her. Then he looked at me. You think you can just do what you want? Huh, Justin? You think you can escape this place? His voice sounded familiar. Name drop. His name's Justin. He's a nice boy. His voice sounded familiar, but it was too muffled by the mask to be sure. He pulled a gun from his holster, hidden under his long black shirt, and pointed it at Veronica. No, I screamed, but it didn't matter. The man pulled the trigger and a bullet tore through the back of Veronica's head. She fell forward on the floor, dead. I screamed hysterically. The man walked around her body and over to me. Standing directly in front of me, he pulled off his mask and revealed himself to be Kyle, my best friend. Ooh, shit. (laughs) I was taken aback, confused and horrified. My best friend had just shot a girl I cared about. After a moment of petrified shock, I spat at him. Whoa, 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 whoa. He just met Veronica, okay? Yeah, but Veronica cuddled with him at the movies. Obviously, he thought he was going to get his dick sucked. (laughs) She's a priority now. 
what the fuck is this, Kyle? What the, what the fuck, fuck is going Kyle? on? He smiled at me. <laughs> what the fuck, Kyle? Don't trust a guy named Kyle. He smiled at me. <laughs> My cousin's name is Kyle. <laughs> yeah, don't fucking trust a man named Kyle. He smiled at me, then threw a heavy black hand across my face. After recovering from this hard smack, he grabbed me in the air, leaned in close. I fucking loved you, Justin, and you never fucking noticed. You came to me, bitching and complaining. Oh, I can't find a girlfriend. I want a girl from out of town. Fuck you, Justin. He slammed the back of my head against the pole. He walked over to Veronica's body grabbed the cloth from her mouth, came back over and shoved it in mine. So this is a fucked up love triangle. Wow. I didn't expect this to be a little gay. <laughs> At first I figured, okay, maybe he doesn't like me, but maybe, <laughs> but he shouldn't have to do it alone. So I recommended you use Tinder, but I never thought you would match with anyone but me. What the fuck? You were mine. But when you found that bitch, Rachel, I knew deep inside I couldn't allow you to be happy. I knew you had to be mine. I couldn't believe what I was hearing. I devised a plan. I tore you away. If I tore away you mentally, maybe you'd seek out my comfort. But then you matched with this bitch, Veronica, and I knew I had to do something worse. I had to make you realize how dangerous the world can be, and I'm the only one who can protect you. I can't stop laughing. He caressed my face. (laughs) I shook uncontrollably, (laughs) closing my eyes as he did. Oh, God. But I've come to realize you don't deserve me anymore, (laughs) and you certainly don't deserve my care and protection. He backed up, raised the gun to his head, and I watched a few tears roll down his cheeks. (laughs) Now, Justin, you're on your own. But um. That's so terrible. That's so bad. That was so bad. That was just so bad. It got a 5.97 out of 10. I'm just realizing (laughs) it was bad, but it was good. Okay. I can also read my Patrick Bateman story. We could do both. Honestly, this one is running short. What are the comments on this? It's just like, it sounds like it was written by a woman. Not really creepy. Just a lot of what the fuck just happened. (laughs) I sincerely hope the author remembers to meet me at the eventual hour of my death to give me my seven damned minutes back. I love this. The gay friend killed two women and then himself because he couldn't be with the guy? Yikes. No. Please stop. The foreshadowing? Weak. The story? Rushed. The bad guy? Really horrid trope. It needs a lot of work, man. (laughs) That gay escalated quickly. Terrible. Yeah, no, that was was so bad. That was really bad. Now that we've read that really bad story, I will tell you. I will tell you a tale. (laughs) This is a personal tale. Um, this is a story of a girl. Story of a girl. Who went to a sorority event with Patrick Bateman. Yeah. Yeah. So this is truly one of the reasons I have this podcast, uh, because I would tell people this story at parties and they'd be dumbfounded. And the people who witness it still enjoy hearing my recount about it of Alex, the American Psycho. I, in 2019, like very recently, because it's on Netflix, have just seen American Psycho. Oh, my God. And in case you haven't seen it, it's from 2000. It's Christian Bale, otherwise known as Batman. And it's based on a 1991 book that IMDb summarizes as a wealthy New York City investment banking executive, Patrick Bateman, hides his alternative psychopathic ego from his coworkers and friends as he delves deeper into his violent 
hedonistic fantasies. What they fail to mention is Reese Witherspoon is his girlfriend. Um, she's the best part. But in 2014, I had not yet seen this movie. And I knew it had Batman, and I knew it was bloody. And that was pretty much it. And now American Psycho is not the crux of the story, but it is the first red flag of this story that should have told me everything I needed to know about the rest of the evening. But I digress. So it's college. I'm living in a sorority house. It's just before winter break. Some rando I made out with while blacked out had brought me back to his house, and I was so violently drunk that I spent part of the evening on the floor of the women's bathroom of that Kappa Sigma fraternity house, and I couldn't get it together until the morning, and then we had lackluster sex, and he uh, couldn't come to that formal with me. I'm really grateful for that now, but he couldn't come to that formal with me. He would have just gone. He would have gotten laid. Idiot. So he cancels on me at the last possible minute, and I just really wanted to have a date because that was where my headspace was. And when a dear friend asks if anyone would take her boyfriend's best friend, I say sure. And this friend is a fun person. Her boyfriend is fun. I remember him at the time being older than us and out of college, but like, sounds like a good time. And she's like, this guy really wants to come to a sorority final formal, which is not a crazy thing to say, but it is looking back, however, a crazy thing for a 26 year old man to say, um, which is again, another red flag that I should have picked up on, but I was not even 21 years old. I get dressed up and it's for those who haven't been to these things. It's basically like going to a baby homecoming with more alcohol and I do, I do my due diligence. I do some white Facebook stalking. And I'm told that the pregame we're all going to, my date's going to bring me alcohol, which is fantastic because I'm not going to be 21 for another year and a half. I am 19 in this story. I'm gl- just grateful that somebody is going to bring me booze. So people are drinking at this pregame. It's messy. It's fun. And I am not having fun because no one has brought me booze. And I'm very sober. And nobody likes that. The date and his, the dates, because there ended up being three boys in this group who went with myself and two other friends. My date arrives an hour late to an hour and 30 minute long pregame with two items, a bottle of rum chata and a bottle of fireball. As the cinnamon toast shots, yes, because they only brought shots, are being handed to me, I hear him say, I have to go return some videotapes. Looking back, he was saying something to the effect of, like, I'm glad she's cute, or I would have had to say, I have to go return some videotapes, which is Patrick Bateman's go-to line when he needs to get out of things. And then I look over, and he's like, I love American Psycho. My favorite scene is when he kills those hookers, which, my friends, should have been all I needed to hear about this person. But it keeps getting (laughs) juicier. So terrible. So we pound shots. And uh, get on a school bus because that is the preferred method of sorority formal transportation at the University of Illinois. And it's this off-campus event about 30 minutes away, which means 30 minutes of kind of buzzed talking to a stranger. And personally, I'm at a place where, like, I don't want to just make out with this man. This is an adult man. I'm not an adult. I'm 19 years old. This is an adult man. And that never became an issue. So we were fine. (laughs) 
So we run through the like, what do you major in? What do you do? Where did you grow up? And that goes through really quickly. And then he proceeds to very much commandeer the conversation to be about him. He grew up near where I, and also he went to school, but where the rich people are, which was a big clarification for him. He was not a townie. He lived in the town where the rich people lived. He was one of six siblings and his father was a surgeon. And he's really the most successful of his family. If you don't count his awful brother, whose biggest sin is, as far as it is mentioned to me, attending and graduating Harvard. Because fuck that guy. Am I right? Mm. And so he keeps going on about how he hates his fucking brother. Like, really fucking hates him. And at one point, he says, and I quote, One time, I stabbed my brother with a pair of scissors. And then he explains that when they were kids, he stabbed his brother with a pair of safety scissors. (laughs) Now, do you realize how much force needs to be applied to stab someone purposefully with the dull blade of children's safety scissors? You have to, that is a, such a strong child. And it was okay that this happened because daddy fixed him up because daddy's a surgeon who makes six figures. Oof. And he keeps saying these things. He keeps saying, daddy's a doctor and he's in biomed. And his mother, well, his mother stayed home and cleaned and cooked and took care of us. And seeing this as my opportunity to jump into the conversation because it was really mostly him. Oh, my mom was a stay-at-home mom too. I I just don't think I could ever do that. And then he looks at me. He like kind of gives me a once-over. He says, well, you must not love your mother enough. Thank you. And with that, in the most beautifully timed moment of my entire life, that bus comes to a screeching halt. And I pick my job off the dirty bus floor and we go inside this building, which is some kind of spot for weddings or bar mitzvahs. And he asks me what my drink of choice is. And I'm a basic 19 year old bitch. So I say it's vodka cranberry and he obliges and then just keeps them coming at me all night. And it was a cash bar and I didn't bring cash. So I'm grateful. And beyond that, this is one of two interactions that I have with him at the actual event itself. I'm having too much fun mingling with other people and hearing about how this girl was fucking someone else's date in the women's bathroom. And I find that one of my roommates is just navigating, having a time. And I find her and I see that she's talking to Patrick Bateman and he's hitting on her really hard. And I tell her basically like, oh, you can have him. And, you know, she is intuitive enough to know that something was off about him and but very correct to continue flirting with him for drinks anyways, because a girl's got to drink. You're wondering, long story short, if you listened last week, you're like, oh, who is this person who is smart enough to know to flirt with a man for drinks? It's the same person who got a condom stuck in her in last week's listener mail. (laughs) Our submissions come from a great group of people. My date and I, Mr. Patrick Bateman, find each other along with the original friend whose boyfriend who had like brought him in, as well as another sorority sister and friends rando guy that they all brought as well, combo. Of those two, that last two, 
he's a mess. He needs to go home. And it's suggested that we go back to the guy's apartment, which is off campus, but not that far. And I go, because at this point I need to see what like more of an absolute train wreck this evening could be. I'm not drunk. I am just curious. And so what after ends up being like a mile long walk off campus uphill in heels, we get to this little apartment facing a costume shop, which the facade of the shop has these Roman columns and a T-Rex coming out of it. And you absolutely cannot miss it. Anyone who's ever been to Champaign, Illinois knows exactly what I'm talking about. You go upstairs and some whiskey is poured in a glass and I drink plenty of it. And Patrick Bateman asks me to come smoke a hand-rolled tobacco and cush cigarette with him on the roof. So classy. And sir, you are not fancy. And by roof, he means walk through my room, witness my fuck palace, and crawl through a window so I can watch you in that dress uh, crawl through a window and I can oogle your ass and you stand on a roof overlooking a plaster tire and a source rex. Not cute, not comfy. And then he keeps going on while we're up there about people not understanding him. And I swear to fucking God, that was his thing. And I get bored and just go back inside. I sit at the table and for two minutes later, he follows me back in. The party in the kitchen has dwindled to about three. It's my two sorority sisters and the catalyst boyfriend who uh, got his buddies invited to this date event. The other guy is snoring on the couch. And Patrick Bateman comes back in the room and there's a cheer and people jump up. And my friend is sitting in her boyfriend's lap and says, ha, 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 why don't you tell him how you got that scar? Which, first of all, I had not noticed the scar on his face. Okay, Joker. <laughs> and it's not even... You want to know how I got these scars? It's not even a scar in a Joker way. It looks like a pimple or an acne scar, so that's why I didn't think about it. Like, I have those. No big deal. Don't point them out. Don't be, an it. Don't be a dick. But no, she's like, mm-hmm. tell him how you got that scar. Because she's drunk and it's fun. And uh, he smiles and he's like, oh, well, this one time was my mom was trying to get us all in the car as kids. And my brother called shotgun, but I took shotgun. So he stabbed me through my cheek with a pen. (laughs) (laughs) And the room sits. (laughs) And that's the exact noise everybody made. This like combination of like, elation of people who knew him and thought it was funny and shocked silence and I'm on the shocked silence side (laughs) (laughs) and when it's clear that the two girls who had been on blind dates are uncomfortable the subject turns to whatever like for whatever reason switches to the horrible party that is not me I just, right. I, just, yeah. I, re- I really wish that I was there. It was, I can vividly remember I it in my brain. like, are you literally a serial killer? <laughs> That's why I tell you the story on this Halloween Eve. So basically, once they realize that we're really uncomfortable, though, they change the subject and they're like, other girl, your date, he's very drunk. You should go fuck him. Because 2014, guys, was a different time. <laughs> they're like, you should go fuck your date on that couch. You should go fuck him. He's right there for the taking. And my dear and wonderful friend, after about two minutes of drunk people shouting at her to fuck this guy, looks at me and says, I'm getting my coat. And we both knew it was time to go. We had that like silent womanly, like baby, like millisecond nod. And I will never forget the look and that panic shuffle from this like very 90s round wooden kitchen table through this like yellow galley kitchen we go through 
through the kitchen, coats in hand, through the door, down the stairs, to the street. We kept power walking until we were beyond earshot and finally got to this like park and we're like, hand in hand, what the fuck? (laughs) And we just kept screaming that for like literally a mile. And it was, it felt like a much shorter walk home when you were sitting there screaming what the fuck the whole time. Um, And long story short, I never saw Patrick Bateman again. I did submit this story to Total Sorority Move a couple months later, and it was published. Um, (laughs) And I have a lot of comments about how I was just being like a petty bitch. I'm like, no, this actually happened. This is not an exaggeration. (laughs) And I think the friend who set me up with this person is mad for telling me this, for me telling this story so dramatically, but it is truly what happened and what I saw and how it occurred. And that's the story about how I think I went on a date with a serial killer. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween, motherfuckers. That is, that is a wild ride from start to finish. And it's, that is much better than the creepy pasta. Yeah. So I hope you, I'm keeping that creepy pasta and I don't even give a fuck. We're going to read it all. <laughs> so yeah, that's my, that's my, my tale. Uh, I still have more bad date stories, surprisingly. So you'll get more guys. And with that, Amanda, <clears throat> we need to turn this shit around. What's your happy ending? Uh, it's fucking Halloween, my dude, which means <laughs> that I am on my way. See, so by when this is coming out, that means that I will, that it's Halloween and also that is the day that I'm going to be driving to Chicago. So what? You're so close to party with me. I can feel it. I mean, I'm also going to be coming home this weekend as well. So it's fine. It's fine. Friendship. It's fine. I don't need to like do life things. I could just drive to Chicago. Fuck it. Yeah. My happy ending. Is that it all to hell? You're gonna be in Chicago. Look at that. It's not even that it's Halloween. It's that you're gonna be in Chicago and I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Yeah. Guys, last week I told this whole tale about how I was gonna take a break from boys and just focus on my ladies. I totally lied. Um edited that yesterday. I totally fucking lied. Oh yeah, we knew that was coming. And we knew that was coming. Let me live. Um, but I am <sighs> it's doing a thing. But we do know that I'm very excited to see Amanda because she's my number one lady. Aww. My number one. A, A, A. I mean, of course, one. so are Sarah and Kelsey. But Yeah. I'm the one that's like, out of town, so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Don't, don't feel bad, guys. You're on my number one. <laughs> You're technically tied for four. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah. So do you want to read this uh, fucking listener mail? Because it's really funny. Uh, you fucking know it. Hey, y'all, just so you know, Halloween is officially canceled this year. I mean, it's not, but, like, I get it. I might as well pull the fire alarm in Teak this weekend, or TKE for those non- Teak. But Teak, yeah, this weekend, because if I can't have fun, then no one can. This whole nightmare started when I cheated on my boyfriend last week. (laughs) That's how all nightmares start, right? I felt like... (laughs) super bad and stuff but was gonna wait till him to tell him until after halloween so we could still do the sick couples costume we'd planned out (laughs) priorities (laughs) 
But then some stupid bitch told him before I could, and then he broke up with me. Sad face. Stupid bitch. That stupid bitch. And I know that this might seem shallow to lie to your boyfriend about where you were last Tuesday and then have sex with that seven from your biology class. But wait until you hear this, and then maybe you'll understand my dilemma. He was going to be Nicolas Cage, and I was going to be his sexy Declaration of Independence. I get it. And what makes this fuck? I get it. And what makes this even more tragic is that I had already invested time and money into making my costume. Like I literally just bought a parchment colored shirt from the Goodwill for like four dollars, turned it into a crop top, and then spent hours meticulously hand painting the entire Declaration of Independence onto it. And Damn. I also had my mom send me my booty shorts from the ninth grade and my stripper heels <laughs> so I could look extra thotty. And I'm I'm sure your lo- your mom loved going to the post office. Oh with fuck that. yeah! I'm obviously really heartsick about my breakup with the literal love of my life, but <laughs> this is definitely the cherry on top of a shitty situation. <laughs> I'm really sorry for your loss, first of all. Well, uh, yeah, well, that's just a wild start from start to finish. I say you still go I, for Halloween as the sexy declaration of independence because that's way absolutely. easier to distinguish than Nicholas Cage. He's, he's nothing without you. You, you are something yes. without him. You shouldn't cheat on your boyfriend, but like. Also, yeah. someone responded to my Instagram thing. It's really short. <sighs> Yay. Um, but it's a pretty interesting, it's another Tinder date. Um, Tinder! It's not, you know, it's just, it's not as good as that creepy pasta, but it's, a, it's up there. Be. Um, so she said, uh, I don't want to use her name cause I don't, she didn't, I don't know if she'd care if I did, but anyway, I was, I went to college with her. She's cool. Went on a Tinder date where his voice was higher than mine is. And he proceeded to psychoanalyze me by asking me to close my eyes and picture my perfect garden. I would have said my vagina. Then apparently my answers meant my parents have a loveless marriage. I don't deal with my problems and I don't let people into my life. And then I have no self-confidence. So needless to say, I walked out after that. Like, could you imagine? And I was like, wow, I'm sorry you had to deal with that. She's like, you know, I used to be pissed off about it at first, but now I've got a great like worst date story. And I'm like, yeah, that's pretty fucking terrible. That's pretty fucking terrible. I'm, Wait, so garden? What's your ideal garden? I want to know what the high signs of your parents have a loveless marriage and shit. My ideal garden is very leafy and green and has a path you can walk through and big trees. (laughs) It's some tourist bitch shit. Yeah. Again, mine is my vagina. (laughs) Nice. It's like, you know, because I think I'm not going to get into the details of that. Yeah. I'll let you all imagine. Amanda has a hairy vagina. That's oh my god, no. It's it's groom. <laughs> but I don't look like a prepubescent girl, so mm. I'll take it. Starts for different folks, y'all. If you would yeah, like yeah, to yeah. submit your own worst date, horror story, sex mishap, phone or blunder, or preferred level of uh, vaginal keptus, <laughs> feel free to submit Dave Dardana's submissions to 50 Worst Dates Podcast at gmail.com. You know or what's slide funny? Into our- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what's funny is the fact 
that like a part of me is like, wow, I shouldn't have said that on this podcast. But then I remember there was an entire episode where I talk about anal. So (laughs) (laughs) I can't come back from anything at this point. That is our uh, July 11th episode. If you're listening, (laughs) it's a gem. Uh, Or you can slide into our DMs at 50 Worst Dates Pod on Instagram. My handle is Pikachu18. And I'm Katie Coyle27. If you think we're valid sources for advice, which we are, I'm practically a therapist and want to ask questions, we'll take those emails or DMs too. Yeah, what is your ideal garden? Our goal is to base future episodes after stories that are not our own, um, because I haven't been on that many dates with potential serial killers, but uh, I don't think I ever told the story of Five Martini Guys, so we still have that. I believe you have. You have told the story of Five Martini Guys. I feel like I did. The one that started it all. You did. That's the one that started it all. You're right. Yep. Yeah, so guys, we're running out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you love our, I guess I just need to get onto what is it, Vampire Passions, yeah. Yeah, the dating site do. for vampires and vampire lovers, aka my you. dating site, and it looks like it was made around the time that MySpace was a thing. Anyway, mm-hmm. if you love our music, it's from bensound.com and my own vocal cords because you get to hear my burps. And if you love our cover art, beautiful. It is by Tori Scranton. You can find her at T Scranton Art on Instagram or Etsy. Christmas is only two months away, motherfuckers. And by the time this comes out, it's less than two months. So get to ordering your custom prints by Tori and other badass artist ladies. Yeah. If you'd like us to promote your art, by the way, let us DM us. Send us your art or your EPs or your shit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, happy Halloween, stay safe, have fun, have great sex, or don't, whatever you want to do. But remember that you should not date a serial killer.